As you see on the screen, the scripture reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30, we'll begin in verse 15 and go through 19. And it's appropriately labeled the power of choice. And as we, as I read this, listen to the choices that God had laid out. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his, rule, and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the, Lord, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering and taking possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Please be seated. I know I say this every Sunday morning, and at the risk of sounding redundant, though I say it again, I really mean it. I am delighted to be with the Broadway Church of Christ here this morning, as I always am, to listen to this beautiful singing and to participate in it and to listen to you singing praises to God. How uplifting that is. Thank you, Brandon, for leading us in our singing today and for you and your participation for the prayers. Thank you, Danny, for the scripture reading out of Deuteronomy chapter 30 and all that have uh, had a part in our worship. I'm very grateful to you and I'm very grateful for you. And I'm delighted to be with you today. Uh, my head is still a little foggy, but over traveling such long distances and such a short period of time, but I'll try to um, uh, stay focused on what I want to say and, and I hope it'll be a benefit to you. Just a few housekeeping matters before I begin today. You'll notice on the front of your bulletin uh, about our gospel meeting, a very distinguished-looking gospel preacher there, Brother Robert Johnson, is going to be with us. He is a very capable gospel preacher. Robert, I've known him for some time, and he's a very faithful uh, man of God and a faithful gospel preacher. He loves the text of the Bible. He loves to preach the Word of God, and that's why we've asked him to come. And I'm grateful and thankful to the elders for extending the invitation to Robert and doing our gospel meeting. We are familiar with Robert. He's a good friend of ours. He's been with us several times on our Searching the Scriptures Forum in September and will be again this year. And so we really look forward to him coming and being in this capacity. And I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to put his picture on the bulletin front. And I hope you will encourage others to come. Cards are there. Another announcement or so will be made regarding our, our gospel meeting. Please listen to that as the time comes. But I wanted to take part in that and, and encourage you to come and be with us on that special Sunday. Every Sunday special, but that's just sort of like a homecoming to us, our gospel meeting Sunday. Every Sunday is important, but we really look forward to that coming up the last of March. As you'll see in our bulletin, March 31 through April 3rd, that's Sunday through Wednesday night. Please be with us. A lot of planning and praying and preparations have been made. 
and I hope that you'll take advantage of this great opportunity. I'm very happy that I'm able to be back with you once again, and I appreciate Nat. Thank you, Nat, for filling in for me. Thank you, Phil, for the fine way that you filled in for me while I was away. I never have any doubts about these men as they step up and and take part in worship and lead us in worship, and I'm very grateful that we have such talented men as these, and Brother McElyea came, and I'm always very happy to listen to him myself, and he's one of the young students at the Brown Trail School of Preaching, happy that we can have a part in his training, and I'm very grateful that he could come and take a part and lead us in our worship service in my absence. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is an amazing passage of Scripture, and I want to spend some time talking about it because of the great power that it does possess. I called it the power of choice. I think that's the best way to describe it because he really does set a principle before us. And I'll say this in the very beginning. If we can get a handle on this, it'll change our lives. If we can really get a hold of the principle that I have the power to make a choice, either for good or for, get, or for bad, then it's going to change my life for the better. And I often ask myself the question, what's the most powerful thing that you have? Is it the influence that you have with others? Perhaps the wealth and the possession that you have? What do you have that you feel like is so powerful? And without doubt, the most powerful thing that I have in my possession is my ability to choose. Now, there are some out there that want to deny that ability. There's systems out there in false religions which try to say that everything's determined ahead of time. But here Moses in the second giving of the law, hence its term, Deuteronomy, is telling us that God has given you the power of choice. Use it wisely. So in the beginning moments of our study this morning, let's give some explication to this passage of Scripture coming from Deuteronomy chapter 30, our text today. If you'll notice, he says in an earlier verse or two, this is a pretty easy thing to teach and a pretty easy thing to say. It's stated very plainly for us in verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. Now that's Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. And Moses is encouraging the children of Israel, you can get a handle on this. This is not that hard. This is not out of your reach. This is not out so far out there that it can't be understood. In fact, it didn't, it's not so far up in heaven that you cannot conceive it, or so far out into the sea that you cannot grasp it. Paul would quote Romans in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, this particular passage, and use the very same point. This is something that came to us from God, and we can understand it. Notice how he phrases it in verse 12. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it? But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. It is not some far-flung, abstract, theological type of point that is hard for us to grasp. It's not so far out there we can't get a hold of it. And as I mentioned, Paul quotes this. He says, you can understand this. And he uses it in the context of Romans chapter 10 about having faith in the resurrected Christ as an essential element of salvation. This is simple enough 
for us to understand. And what is the point? Choose to be faithful to God. Choose to be a follower of God and thus prosper. And he says, now you have the power, the power to choose. And it's a wonderful ability that God has given us this ability to choose. And he coaches us a little bit in this passage when he comes to about verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death and blessing and the curse. And here's the coaching. So choose life in order that you may live. You and your descendants. I read verse 19. I wanted to give it proper emphasis because the emphasis is given in verse 19. This is the choice you need to make. He not only tells us about the power of choice, that the ability that we have to choose, but he also tells us this is the choice you need to make, but you need to make it. Moses understands something of the nature of the children of Israel. He'd been with them all this time. Now this matter is coming to a close. God has delivered them from Egyptian bondage by the power of his own hand. And he's led them with this great servant of his, the servant of Moses. Moses has brought them up until this point. Moses will not be allowed to go on into the land of Canaan. He will see it from a distance, Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo's lofty heights. It's in the south, Mount Nebo. From Mount Nebo, you can see a considerable amount of the land of promise. There in that instance, it would be up to Joshua and the power of God to lead the children of Israel on the conquest and into the land and thus taking the settlement of Ai and ultimately the city of Palms, the city of Jericho. But he says, I want you to understand something. I know what you're like. I know you can be a rebellious people. I know you want to do it your way. But you have the power of choice. Choose to do it God's way. Choose God's way and not your way. And if you choose God's way, it'll mean life for you. If you choose your way, it'll mean death. And I was so impressed with this particular matter of choice that I wanted to talk about it today. It's the most powerful possession that I have, the power of choice. Isn't it amazing that there's some systems out there, some religions out there that want to take that away from you? And I'm sure Satan is very happy about that. If he can get you convinced that I don't have any options, I can't choose, then he's won. But God is saying you have power that God has given, the ability to choose, the freedom to choose. And what a wonderful thing that is, that I have freedom to choose between the good and the bad. And I can choose between that which is right and that which is wrong. One of the things I want to talk about this morning is not only the text itself and what it implies for us and what it teaches us, but that we're making these choices every day. One of the things I wanted to talk about too is we're making decisions all the time. And sometimes we make decisions so much that we don't even think about it. We think about this decision, we think about that decision, and sometimes we make decisions. We don't even think about the decisions whatsoever. You're making decisions, hundreds of them, every single day. It may be even thousands of decisions that you make every day. I don't know. But we make so many that we often don't think about the matter. Why? 
you make the decision to get out of bed today. You say, well, I had to get out of bed. Well, no, you didn't. You chose to get out of bed today. If you decided to stay in bed all day, well, you'd have to face the consequences of that. But it could have been your decision. Well, I don't have any decisions to make. Well, you decided what clothes to wear. And you decided what shoes to put on. Living in modern America like we do, in a land full of opulence and plenty, we decided what automobile we would drive. Well, we made all kinds of decisions, and we make them here and there. And you know, one of the things that we do, we complain about it. We whine and we complain about the difficulties of life and the problems that we face in life. We don't really realize how wonderful it is that I can make a decision. Why not choose good? Some people decide they're just going to be unhappy. They'll be sad. You can choose that. There's power there in your choice. You can choose to be sad. Or you can choose to be happy. I don't think you can choose to be happy sad. I just don't think that would work. Now maybe it would, but I doubt it. It's either going to be happy or sad. Which shall you choose? I don't have any choices to make. Yes, you do in life. The power of choice is a power that God has given every one of us. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. Two boys grow up in the same town. And they go to the same school. And they graduate and they get similar jobs. They get married. One lives on one side of the street. One lives on the other side of the street. They have children. One gets up in the morning and he stumps his toe on the corner of the bed. And he's upset with himself. And it causes him to stumble and he busts his nose on the door jamb, trying to go to the bathroom. Then when he goes to the bathroom, the water's cold, takes a cold shower. The shirt doesn't fit right. The tie doesn't work right. The shoes, one of the laces breaks as he tries to tie on his shoes. He's mad by now. He gives a hard, coarse word to his wife. Yells at the children. As he goes out the back door, he kicks the dog. This is Monday, and I hate Mondays. You can choose to be that way. The other man, other side of the street, he wakes up and he's thankful for the health and the life that he's got. God has blessed him with health, life, and another day. I want to take advantage of this day. I want to do what I possibly can do. I'm going to my job. I'm going to do the best that I can possibly do. It's not the most important job in the world, but I'm going to do the best I can do at my job. And when I work hard during the day, I'm going to come home. And I'm going to feel good about that because I've worked hard and I've accomplished something. And there's something good about that kind of tired When you're tired like that and you've worked hard and you've accomplished something, you feel good about it. Feel good about it for your family and you lay your head on the pillow and you relax and you go to sleep and you sleep soundly because of what you've been able to do and you're happy. Now what's the difference between these two men? I just made a story up. I don't know of anybody like that. I just made that story up. One chose sadness. Another chose happiness. God said, I created you with the power of choice. 
Choose wisely. Use that power wisely. God's given it to us and let's use it so that it will benefit us and benefit others that come along. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reflects upon his life. It's his second Roman imprisonment. His first one, he would be brought out of prison, but his second one, he would not. And we find a statement in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'd like to read it a little bit uh, there for you, and it helped me. I, I believe it'll help you. For I'm ready, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. And the time of my departure's come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's verse 8. I read for you today, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 6, and I read through verse 8. And if you followed along in the reading, you'll see how he reflects upon his life. I've been told that when a man comes to the end of his days, the things that are on his mind at that point in time in life are the most important things of his life. What he really has devoted himself to. And what does he devote himself to? The decisions which he made in the past. I made some decisions in the past and I'm glad for it, he said. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And I'm glad I made those decisions, those choices. Because now the future is a happy future for me. The future for me is a crown of righteousness, which he shall give me based on the decisions which I made in the past. I made good decisions back there, and now I'm going to reap the benefit of that in a place the Bible calls heaven. And his choices were good choices. And his decisions were good decisions. And now he's happy. Because he made the right choices. Choose obedience to God. Choose faithfulness to Christ. And you'll never be disappointed. Moses saying, you have got the power of choice. Choose life. Choose prosperity. Choose God. When I was a boy, my dad decided that he'd fence in the cows with what some newfangled idea called an electric fence. Never seen an electric fence before, and so we put up the electric fence. The idea behind the electric fence is when a cow walks up to it, it gives her a shock, and she knows not to go up against that to stay back. Well, electric fence worked pretty well. Electric fence is such that uh, after a while, the battery on the electric fence runs down. And notice what the cows did. They stayed in the pasture. They were so used to being in there that they didn't try the electric fence anymore. They had been there so long that they didn't try it. The electric fence wasn't working. When we discovered the electric fence wasn't working, there in turn we made the proper corrections, the repairs, the new battery. I forgot now what all we did. But anyway, we got the electric fence going up again. But the cows never did get out because they were used to that electric fence. I think sometimes we're like a bunch of cows. We get in a rut with regard to our life. And we don't try to do anything else. We don't choose anything else. This is the way it is for me and I have to be this way. Choose life. Choose what God has given you to do. And be happy. And don't be like a bunch of old cows that are stuck in a pasture. And they think, well, we've got to be here all the time. 
and we can't do anything else. I think I've known brethren who were that way. They just couldn't get out of the bad habit and the bad life and the bad thoughts and the bad things that they were doing. Make your choice. You've got the power to do it. You've got the power. The only limitation is a self-imposed limitation, an electric fence that you put up around your life and you failed to see what God wants you to do and go do it. Let me tell you about some people who made choices. Genesis chapter 4. Cain made a choice. Adam and Eve had children. You'll remember the story very well. In Genesis chapter 4, there in turn they had the oldest boy. His name was Cain. The younger boy was named Abel. And God required sacrifice and offering from these men. And yet one gave of the offerings of the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Verse 3. And his brother gave of the firstlings of the flock. But for Cain and for his offering, verse 5 says, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. When the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? God accepted Abel's sacrifice. He rejected Cain's sacrifice. These were choices these two men made. One made a choice for God. One made a choice against God. He offered it the way he wanted to offer it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I want us to notice the fact of the choice that they made. And when he didn't choose God and God's way, he was filled with anger. But God is very patient with Cain. And he comes to Cain and he asks Cain a question. Why are you so mad? Don't you think God already knew why he was mad? God already knew why he was mad. He's asking the question for Cain's benefit. You know, in the garden originally, God says, walking in the cool of the day, Adam, where art thou? Well, God knew where Adam was, but the question was for Adam's benefit, not for God's. And he's very patient with Cain. He says, why are you so angry? You need to examine the matter. I'm in verse 6. I'm in Genesis chapter 4. And why has your countenance fallen? Cain, I want you to think about the choice that you made. If you do well... Will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, verse 7, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you and you must master it. Now Genesis doesn't explicitly tell us why God rejected Cain's sacrifice. But I think it's implied. One of the problems that Cain had was his heart wasn't right with God. He was angry and his countenance fell. And I believe that's one of the points that the Genesis writer Moses by inspiration is making. Your heart is not right with God. Now if you do well, your countenance will be lifted up. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why, he did it by faith. Obviously, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and 17. God had revealed to them what he wanted, but Cain made a choice, made a bad choice. His choice was to do it his way rather than God's way. You see, all worship is not acceptable in the sight of God. Both boys worshiped. But only one was accepted because one was offered by faith, Hebrews 11, 4. God had told them what he wanted, Romans 10, 17. But this boy is angry. He didn't do it God's way, and God didn't accept it. 
His heart's not right. He didn't do it by faith. Did you notice couched in verse 6 how he put that there? Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do, and if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. In the original language, the crouching matter conveys the idea of a predatory beast who desires to devour the prey. And he says that's the way sin is. Behind that door, sin is anxious and waiting to pounce upon you. But notice what must be done. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. You've got to make a choice. And you've got to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And when God gives away, then it's got to be done that way. When God gives a reason, it's got to be done for that reason. Obedience to God means doing what God has said in the way God says do it. For the reason God has given, if he gives a reason. And Cain failed because he made a bad choice. And Abel was successful and pleasing in the sight of God because his sacrifice was by faith. It's a power of choice. And it's a power that God has given every one of us. How will you use it? In the book of Joshua, Joshua is brought the children of Israel by the power of God into the land of Canaan. One of the first settlements that they take is Ai. Talked to a young Hebrew fellow, and he asked me that question. I said, well, it had to be Ai. He smiled at me, and he said, uh, we pronounce it Ai. Ai. I said, you know, you're right. That's how it would be properly pronounced. I like to pronounce it Ai because you have to spell it in order to say it. Ai. But then there's the city of Jericho. In the city of Jericho, they were victorious because of God's great help and God's great power. And now Canaan has been delivered by God's power to the children of Israel. Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 makes point verse 15. I'm, I'm going to ask you to mark this passage if you haven't. In the pages of your Bible, it is, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I ask you to turn to Joshua 24 and verse 15 and mark it in your Bible because it really underscores the freedom that Joshua had with regard to his family and the leadership that Joshua had with regard to his family. We're going to serve the Lord. That's the choice we are going to make. Now, you make your decision. We've made our decision. We're going to serve the Lord. And I think the point that really helps me in this matter of Joshua 24 and verse 15 is the fact that the choices we make affect other people. And that's what Joshua was doing. The choice I'm making, I'm using that to encourage you to make the right choice. Not only do I have the power of choice, but you have the power of choice. And I want you to notice the choice I've made. The choice I've made is to follow God and God's Word. Now you decide whom you will follow. You'll have to make that choice. The choices which we make affect other people. And they encourage other people. They encourage other people to make right choices 
or wrong choices as everyone has the power of choice. I'll tell you a fellow who made a choice, made a good choice. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, it talks about Moses in Hebrews 11, about verse 24. And the choice that he made there, he had the power of choice and he made the right one. He chose God. By faith, verse 24, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing. And that's what I'm trying to understand today. I'm trying to understand the power of that choice. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the, ple- the passing pleasures of sin, it says, verse 25. I hope you'll read that passage from your Bible. It's Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. And you can think of all the power, all the influence raised in the court of Pharaoh. And I have an idea. Moses might have been one of the great Pharaohs of Bible times if he had stayed in the house of Pharaoh. But he made a choice because he looked at the value of redemptive history and his part in redemptive history. And he said, I'm going to make that choice rather than the pleasures of sin for a season I'm going to be counted as the people of God. And he went with God and God's plan for his life. Now by human estimation and by mere human reason, we might think that guy made a bad choice. He had power, he had opportunity, he had wealth, he had influence. There's no choice here to make. Yes, there was. And when he gave that up, And he chose God. He made the right choice. By mere human reason, he didn't make a very good choice. By God's standards, he made exactly the right choice. And it had to be a powerful pull there, I suppose. Shall I go this way or shall I go that way? No. Moses says, I'm choosing God. I'm choosing God's way. I'm choosing God's word. I'm choosing God's plan. And I'm going to be happy with that choice. God's gave me the power to choose, and I'm going to make the right choice here. Let me talk about a family that didn't do so good on the power of choice. It's Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, you're going to crawl across the names of Ananias and Sapphira. They had a choice to make. Church was in its infancy. There was desperate need, and so people were giving, and they sold lands and houses and laid these matters at the apostles' feet. One person who had a parcel of land and sold it was Barnabas, and, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Man, he was a, such an encouraging soul and had such an encouraging heart. I suppose Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to get the esteem and the pats on the back from the brethren. And so they made up a fraud. They perpetrated a fraud. They sold a piece of property, but they held part of the proceeds back. But yet they gave the impression that they gave everything to the Lord's church. It's a bad choice. God condemned them for their bad choice. The fraud which they tried to perpetrate. The church will not begin based on that. 
The church will not be based on that particular matter. They made a bad choice, and God disciplined them, and he disciplined them severely. And I think the result of that discipline was affected in verse 11, because in Acts chapter 5, 11, the text tells us, And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. So the effect that God wanted had its effect, and the disciplinary action God gave Ananias and Sapphira for the fraud that they tried to perpetrate was felt by the church it was a bad choice. Wanting the praise of men rather than the praise of God. That's bad. Wanting the pat on the back and being more concerned about what the others say about us and are concerned about us rather than how God is concerned about us in this particular matter. It's a bad choice. Be concerned about how God sees you. Be concerned about doing God's will and make that choice. You have the power to do that, and you need to do it. Let me tell you some choices we got coming up here. All I have to do is mention the date, and you know exactly the point that I'm going to make. April the 15th. Are you going to be honest on that? Are you going to be honest on that? That's a deadline for our taxes, you know. Are we going to file properly? Or am I going to try to cheat that? Let me tell you a choice you got. Drive down the highway down over here. You go down the highway down 20, 70, 75 miles an hour in some places. You going to cheat that? You going to go 80, 90? Well, nobody cares about that. It's a choice we have to make. We face moral choices every day. How shall we choose? What will we be like? What kind of choices are you going to make? And I wanted, in a practical type of way, to talk about some choices now. Now I want to talk about some choices. These are choices you need to make. One, choose God. Learn to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. Choose God. There'll be opportunities in life where you will choose this and you will choose that, but choose to be faithful to the creator of heaven and earth who created our souls and to whom we will stand before him on judgment one great day. Here's a choice I want you to make. Choose the Bible. A lot of great books out there that you can read, but there's no greater book in all the world than the Bible. It is the Word of God. When we're studying the Old Testament, we're studying the New Testament, we're studying God's holy and inspired Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, perfect unto every good work. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God is of great value. Choose the Bible. Choose the Word of God. Choose Jesus Christ. A suffering Savior who lived and died among us and was raised from the dead by the power of God who now reigns at God's right hand. Choose Him. 
The only means. He's the door. He is the bread of life. He is the one who gives life and sustains life. And all the wonderful metaphors by which John would write about the Son of God. He is the one, the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Choose him and what he says and what he teaches. Choose Christ. Jesus, the Son of God. Choose the church that belongs to Christ. This is a choice you need to make. You got the power. Choose life. The church which Jesus died for is a group of people who have come out of darkness into marvelous light, the light of God's Word. And in so doing, by being obedient to the gospel of Christ, a choice which we make out of obedient faith, I'm added to the people of God. There the Bible talks about the church and its establishment in Acts chapter 2. They were baptized into Christ. They had repented of their sins. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He did not add them to some denominational type of body. He did not add them to some kind of, and I use the term respectfully, though it might be taken in a disrespectful way, some Johnny-come-lately type of church. It is the church you read about in the New Testament. The church that belongs to Christ. The people of God. And when I'm baptized into Christ, I'm baptized into a new relationship with Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. I am added by Him into His church. His people. Choose that. And not some denominational body that men have thought up years later. Well, we think this is a good idea. Let's do it this way. Don't choose that. Choose life. Choose the church, the people of God, for which Jesus died. It is not a physical building. It is not bricks and mortar. It is people. People who have said no to sin. They've repented of that and changed their life and said yes to Christ. Been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Here's a fact. Satan is real and he wants to destroy your soul. He has great desire for you to be lost. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand why Satan wants you to be lost. Why is his desire so great? But the fact of the matter is, do not choose Satan. Choose Christ. Do not choose the way of Satan. Do not choose the lies of Satan. Do not choose the teaching of Satan. But choose Christ and live by doing it. You have the power of choice. What choice will you make? Now's a great opportunity for you to choose Christ. To repent of sin and confess your faith into Christ, in Christ. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Forgiveness. Be added to the church of the Lord. You've been unfaithful to Christ. Now's a good time to repent of that. And become a faithful child of God again. The power is in your hands. How will you use it? Will you come? While together we stand and while we sing.